Good evening, everybody, and welcome to tonight's class is titled Reciprocating Love, number two. So we've previously learned in chapter 46 and 47 how Hashem has showed us an incredible, incredible amount of love when he took the lowest entity in the in the most sturdy country he took a human being in Egypt which was the nakedness of the world the lowest place on earth and he gave us his most treasured prize he gave us the Torah the item that is his beloved crown and jewel and he says when you learn when you study Torah, when you do mitzvot, you are uniting with me in the deepest possible way. So we need to reciprocate love back. That was, that was their first type of reciprocating love. But now we're going to learn, I would like to think, much, much deeper. A much deeper level of love. And in order for us to do it, we're going to talk about one of the deepest items in Kabbalah. And it's so deep that it's something we don't often talk about in detail. But we're going to talk about tonight what, how the world was created. How did the infinite come to, the, come to create something finite? We've learned in general, we've spent maybe a few minutes in different parts of the Tanya talking about the idea of symptom contraction and say But in the next two chapters, we're going to really dig in to understand how could the infinite, how could Hashem, which is greater than any description, create something truly finite? And I want to, before we jump in, I want to share an obvious question I think that comes up. The question is, what's the question? What do you mean, how could Hashem who is infinite create something finite? What type of a question is that? If you're infinite, then you could do, you could do infinity. You could do anything. You could also create something finite. What type of question is it? How could the infinite create finite? It's a good question. Anyone have this question? Or is it, am I asking the question for you? Well, why would the infinite create finite? So why we've learned already previously in chapter 36 that Hashem desired to have a home in the lowest of low. Oh, that's Something right. we can't understand. That we discussed previously. Question is, how could the infinite create something finite? Which seemingly doesn't, I don't understand the question. You know, like a child, they think their dad could do anything. Okay, so you're dad, so you could do anything. What's, what's the problem? So, there is no problem. For the infinite to create finite, okay. The novelty of our conversation is that the infinite did not just create finite. The infinite created a method that the finite could connect back to the infinite. Now, that, that doesn't make sense. You see, for each of us, you see, for Hashem to create a human being, okay, you created something physical, not something incredibly, not something so crazy. But for Hashem to create a human being that's able to be connected to the finite, that's able to trace himself back. When we do a mitzvah, we're able to make a connection between the two. Now that is something special. To give a step deeper, we learn that there's a rope. Yaakov Chavel Nachalas, we learned this previously, that when we do something down here, it affects above. If the infinite creates the finite, so there's a human being and he does what he does. He's kind of like an ant inside of an ant tube. Very fascinating to watch. But there's no connection to the infinite. Hashem has created a world 
where the finite action that we're doing now of learning Torah has an infinite effect. How does that work? Daniel, question clear? It's question, yes. Good. Daniel, I said I'd ask you today, I'd ask you how your day went. My day went well. Your question uh, has the answer within it. My question has the answer within it. Okay, so tell me the answer. Repeat your question and I'll, I'll address your answer. You, you. Well, well, you know, let's jump to where the question of Tanya is. Right now the question mm-hmm. of Tanya is, how could the infinite create something finite that's related back to the infinite? Right. That's the question. So what's the answer? Uh, for uh, service to Hashem. For no, the benefit no, not, of Hashem. Not why? How? How did Hashem do that? What's the method Hashem made that our physical action could have, have an inf- infinite effect? Uh, contractions, cleaving to Him. Oh, so that's so it's good. Good, good. Good. Very good question. So, just one second. There was a request to mute everybody unless they're talking. So, I'm going to do that now. And that's just for the recording. If you want to talk, feel free to talk. But, yeah, so the question now is what is this process of contraction? And that's what we're going to discuss today. Beautiful. I want to to share an example that Rabbi Gordon of Blessed Memory gave for the idea of Simpson. Let me bring it up right here. It's an incredible incredible analogy um do you see my screen here no you don't see it yet yeah okay. yes Give me a second. yes there's a drawing of a tray okay just one moment it's a lovely looking tree. Um, we're going to see if this works. And I bring up this incredible example. Do you see now my file? No, just the tree. No. Redrawing. Still... Okay. So in, um, in the modern age, like today, we talk about something called the butterfly effect. So that what just I one do... one second, just one second. Okay. So let's see what we see now in, on our screen. Yep, here we go. Oh. There we go. Good, good. There it is. Beautiful. So I'd like to share with you the analogy he gives using the water system and the, and the electricity within our city. So in order for water, let's take, let's take water, which I think is uh, basic, and then we'll jump to the electricity. We have a storage tank. Actually, so I'm actually giving this class right now from my, near my parents' home, and literally you could see a big water tank from their home. The water tank is full of water. So from the water tank, there's I don't know how many pipes, but let's imagine there's a singular massive pipe the water main that comes out and it comes to your street and from your street, it gets distributed into your home. So what would happen if the main pipe would come straight into your faucet? You'd have, what would, what word would we want to use for that, that incident, Mark? Um, the water comes straight into my faucet, uh, comes in by gravity. It's forceful. No, no, it's... no. My question was, imagine the water main, the main pipe, that's made for the entire city would burst into your home. That would be called destruction. Yes, that would be called disaster. Disaster, yes, yes. So what happens is that there's a a method of pipes that slowly takes the sink pipe into smaller pipes that finally comes into your individual sink. So that's one idea of this idea of contraction. You have the water, the big water, storage tank coming into one, one pipe, into a smaller pipe, into a smaller pipe. This is one idea of symptom. And let's go now to the electricity, similar. You have the power plant. 
if all of the transformers would be down and the energy would come straight from the power plant to your house, we wouldn't see you anymore. In order for, in order for it to be safe and be able to give light to your nine volt new light, you have to have this series of transformers and, and, and limitations coming to the electricity until it comes into your electrical outlet that's giving life now to your iPad or your computer, whatever it is. And the moment that one of your transformers in your home blows, then it's not a fun thing. So these are examples of contraction. So if we would try and apply this to Hashem, there's this infinite life that Hashem has allowed to become more and more funneled and more and more contracted and limited until we get the lowest physical world, this world of human bodies and, and, negative, and pleasure and, and the desire for pleasures, et cetera, et cetera. Any questions about these analogies, about these examples? Okay, if not, then let's jump back in. Okay, so we're gonna jump into the Tanya. Oh, one more thing, Tanya, it, it's just an obvious thing. Tanya's gonna start off and say, look, it's obvious that Hashem is infinite. It's, it's taken for granted. Hashem is our ain't self, he's limitless, he's limitless. So how could the limitless create the limited? And that's where we're gonna jump into this idea of contractions and, and jumping a little more to be talking about that. Here we here we go. So again, I'll put the link one more time in the chat box for those that may have just joined us. Um, and if you could join if you could join us at that link, uh, we're starting now chapter forty eight. Here we go. Contemplating on the greatness of the blessed ain't so. The moment you think about the greatness of Ein Sof. Okay, I need some help here. What does Ein Sof in Hebrew mean? What does that translate in English? Um, without end. Without end. So just taking that simple meaning of Ein Sof without end, continues Tanya, the intelligent person will realize that as his name indicates, so is he. Just like how you say Ein Sof. So is he. There is no end or limit or finitude at all to the light and vitality that diffuse from him. May he be blessed by his simple will. So Hashem has no limit. And there's nothing finite coming directly from Hashem. And Hashem's will and his energy, which is united with his blessed essence and being in perfect unity. Hashem Echad is one. There's, there's only... There's only no end. There's only infinity. And therefore, had the world descended from the light of the blessed ain't so without contraction, if we, did, if we didn't have this process of symptom, but according to a gradual descent from grade to grade by means of cause and effect, this would not, in such case, have ever been created in its present form in a finite and limited order. This cause and effect. We're all familiar with cause and effect. So someone throw out, just throw out an example of something that's cause and effect. Okay. We'll say uh, we have ch children come from their parents. It's cause and effect. We learn dominoes. It's a cause. You knock one down, the others go. Something we see when we talk about a cause and an effect is that the cause and effect are always intensely connected. So if you're going to take something finite and, and try and limit the finite through cause and effect, sorry, if you're going to take something infinite and try and limit it just through means of a natural cause and effect, you're just going to get less and less infinity, but you'll never come to finite. So let's go back to that example of the water pipe. You could limit the infinite water as much as you want, but if you limit it just through making a cause, you're not doing something substantial to it. You're not making a change. You're just making the pipes smaller and smaller. 
it's still, it's always going to remain infinity. So the process of creation could not have been just through cause and effect alone. And we know that the world is in a finite, limited form. Now, we, we know it because we can look at each other. But the Torah always is going to prove it from the Torah. I want to give you, I want to give you a, an incredible mimer. The fifth Chabad Rebbe, he asks a question. In one of his mimerim, he says, how do you know that life is not a dream? It's an incredible question. How do you know, how do you know that your life is not a dream? Dr. Malov, maybe in, a, in five minutes you're going to wake up and realize that the last, you know, how old are you now? 32. The last 32 years of your life, it was just a dream. <laughs> and, and Mark, it's quite an interesting dream you're having, but you're going to wake up and it's, you're going to be back in wherever you were when the dream started. So right, right, the, right, yeah, Ashabi, right, yeah, right yeah, taking this class two weeks ago. <laughs> there you go. You wake up two weeks back. <laughs> so how do you know that life is not a dream? And uh, it's a fascinating mimer. The mimer says, you know what? The only way to know is by looking in the Torah. And the Torah tells us that there's something called reward and punishment. And you could only reward and punish someone if they're doing it, not if they're dreaming it. And therefore, that's one of the reasons we're sure we're not dreaming right now. Okay, so Mark, now I'm happy that you're convinced that your life is not a dream. But, but we may take things as obvious, but as Torah, as people who know that the Torah is the foundation of our world, we're always going to look in the Torah even for the obvious. So the Torah itself tells us that the world is limited and how limited is the world. From the earth to heaven, there being a journey of 500 years. So if you want to go from here until the first spiritual heaven, it's an expression we say 500 years. And similarly, between heaven and heaven, between each of the seven heavens, there's a distance of 500 years. And each one of the seven heavens themselves are 500 years. So I'm not going to ask you to do the math. But at the moment, it would basically come up to close to 14 times 500. You have seven worlds, and each world is, five, is a distance of 500, and between the worlds is a distance of 500 years. So it would take a very long time to get until, the Gemara and Chagiga tells us, it would take us a long time to get until Hashem's chariot, and the tips of Hashem, of the animals of Hashem's chariot, just to travel the tips, would take the amount of time it would have taken you to take travel all of those worlds, and, and between the worlds, etc., etc. So, so we do find the idea of the world being limited and the distance between our worlds. We find this in the Torah itself. How are we doing so far? Everybody with me? Okay. Now, the, to the Tanya is going to continue. Not only are each world limited, but even the souls are limited. Even the angels, even the, the items we take for granted are also limited. Even the world to come and the supreme garden of Eden. So in Gan Eden, there's different parts of the garden of, Eden, garden of Eden. But even the world to come and the supreme garden of Eden, which what's in the supreme garden of Eden, the habitation of the souls of the great tradition. And the souls themselves. And needless to say, even, even the angels are all in the realm of bound and limitation. For there is a limit to their apprehension of the light of the blessed angels. An angel that sees too much godliness is going to expire. An angel that sees too much godliness is going to expire. In chapter 50, we're going to talk about this idea of someone that has so much love that they lose themselves and they can leave their body. We have to be able to, the angels and even the greatest souls, they are limited in how much they're able to experience, how much godliness, because they're limited beings. And what type of energy do the souls get, do the angels get, which shines on them through being clothed in Chabad? They get it from the wisdom, understanding, and that connection of Hashem. 
So what we've established is not only are the worlds limited, but even these souls, the angels are also limited. And there's also a boundary to their enjoyment derived from the splendor of the Shekhinah. And to their pleasure in the light of God. Because the souls and the angels, for they cannot absorb enjoyment in the light of an infinite order without being nullified out of their existence and returned to their source. Okay, so what have we established? That there is limitation in this world. So how do the finite come to be? I love how the chapter starts off. Just think for a second and you'll know that Hashem is infinite. And then will come the question, how could the infinite create the finite? And you know, one of the things I think that that introduction shows me is that often in life, I'll talk for myself. I'm sure this doesn't apply to you. But often in life, we just don't think. We don't think about how things happen, about the miracles that are coming to us day in and day out. And taking a moment to reflect on how Hashem created the world, how much we're blessed with, those could change our lives. People, I've been studying recently about the idea of, of belief in God and, and uh, having assurance, bitachon, being sure in God. And one of the things that the Rebbe often told people is, you're just, you're not looking at the good. There's an incredible, incredible amount of good and positive that's happening in your life. And you're just, you're not even realizing. Okay. So now we know that Hashem is infinite and we know that the world and the angels and the souls are all finite on some level. So how do they come to be? Continues Tanya. Now as for the intricate details of the contractions, this is not the place for their explanation. To get into the minute details of how the infinite created the finite, that's not where we're going to go. But we are going to give a general understanding, but in general, they are something in the nature of oculation and conceal. So we're taking the energy, the infinite energy, and we are concealing it. And I want to show it's not saying limiting it, because limiting it would go back to that point of cause and effect, which we said you can't take the infinite and limit it to make it finite. Infinite will always be infinite. But there's a concealment of the flow of the light and vitality so that only an extremely minute portion of light and vitality should illuminate and reach the lower creatures in a revealed manner as it were. So here, Tanya now has to address a major challenge. What's the challenge? The challenge is, <laughs> where is Hashem? Dr. Malov, where is Hashem? Uh, well, there's, there's a song that the kids used to sing but uh, Hashem is everywhere. Very good. Hashem is here. Hashem is here. Hashem is truly everywhere. Yeah. Up, up, down, down, right, yeah. left, and all around. All around. Yeah. Very good. So if Hashem is everywhere, what do you mean that you're limiting Hashem? And does that mean that some of us have less Hashem and some of us have more Hashem? Kind of confusing. It's getting, it's getting a little confusing. More so what does it mean that Hashem is everywhere, but we're what, what does that mean? Are there places that Hashem is not there? No. Wherever my name is, my name will be mentioned. Hashem says I'm there. There is no place in existence that Hashem is not there. Well, that's confusing because we just learned that Hashem is concealed. But is Hashem concealed or is he revealed? Okay, so what's the obvious answer, Gershon? Um, I think, go ahead. Oh, 
Well, I was I was kind of struggling with the whole finite thing. I read yeah. ahead a little bit. You're struggling on the idea that you're finite. You believe you're infinite. No, it's it's. No, no, whole, no I just I'm making a joke. It's the uh, infinitely small thing because it says we're concerned virtually as nothing, but it's not nothing. Yeah. It's just infinitely small. So I'm having a problem with the and you were talking about before with the water and the electrical systems, even when they distribute to a tiny little house or whatever, it seems like it's very small, but it's still a little piece is still infinite. Oh, 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 oh. Garrison is keying in on a very good question. Well, the uh, water system is a cause and effect system. It's a cause and effect. You're taking the water and you're just making it less and less. But the same water that was in the water tank is coming into your home. Is that what you're asking, Gershon? Well, yeah. I mean, so, so the water tank is a, is a shame. So even though it's infinitely small, it's, I, I'm struggling with the concept that, it's, that it becomes finite. And I, I know, you're, because it, I'm looking at it. Are you asking, are you asking, you're saying it's still unclear how the infinite becomes finite. Yeah, because I can, I can appreciate that it's infinitely small and, and almost as nothing. But, but because it's not nothing, it's still somewhat infinite. Oh, so Gershon, before I try and answer it, anyone want to try and answer Gershon's question? Well, water is still water. Uh, I mean, water is, and or or electricity would still be elect, still electricity, e even though you, you might have a smaller amount of it. Um, but it, but it still has the uh, its own nature. Electricity, it, it has its own individual nature. Okay. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I want to point out, Gershon, and, and we haven't stressed yet, much yet currently is, like Dr. Malov is saying, the electricity is coming in a smaller amount. The water is coming in a smaller amount. When we say symptom, we're actually saying there's a change in the energy. Mm. So if you remember, in previous classes, we gave an example that there's a dark, there's a hole and a dark curtain. Right. In other words, the light is coming through this curtain and changing the energy. So in addition to it being a very, very, very small amount of energy, that energy, the very, 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 very small energy is still infinite. So we've taken a very, 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 very small part of infinity, but we've also changed it through that curtain. I, I, can, I, I can appreciate that. At some point, it just... I mean, thinking of it in terms of physics and things, I guess I could appreciate that. But eventually, if the energy is changed, I guess it could be finite. So, thank you, Garrison, for the question. So, is Hashem everywhere, or is now Hashem not everywhere? Now we've taken Hashem and we've changed, God forbid, Hashem. So here we learn another incredible Hasidic thought, an incredible uh, Kabbalistic thought. It's a very important thought that is applicable at any time and any place. And that is that Hashem connects with all of us in two ways. Hashem connects with us in a makiftik way, in a surrounding way. That means Hashem his essence connects with us, but it's not an, an internal way. Inter if Hashem would, re or the word would be, he's not revealed to us. So Hashem's essence, his infinite essence is within us, not revealed. The ability for us to look at ourselves as individuals and for us to see a physical body is because the revealed part of Hashem within us is that minute energy that's been changed over, etc. So again, and this is like I said, a critical part of, of 
what we learn, because what this is telling us is each one of us is, is connected on the deepest level with Hashem. Even, God forbid, the biggest sinner is connected with the essence of Hashem, except it's not revealed within. The revelation within us, and if the more we learn Torah and do mitzvot, the more that revelation is within us. The revelation is the contracted energy, energy of Hashem that has become changed on its journey down into this world. That is the energy that uh, has gone through this contraction. So again, I want to repeat that idea. The idea is that Hashem connects with us and the entire world in two ways. In a makif way, in a surrounding way, in a way that's not revealed. So Hashem is everywhere. Hashem is here. Hashem is there. Hashem is truly everywhere in, a, in an unrevealed way, but He's there. And then we have how Hashem reveals Himself within us, and that is in a concealed way. And it's up to us to decide how much we're going to uh, reveal Hashem within us. Hmm. Mati is the idea of makif and panimi clear? Makif and panimi? Makif and panimi. Makif comes from the word hakafa, surrounding. Hashem surrounding us, meaning that Hashem is not revealed within us. And panimi means internal. Sure. That Hashem is internal, Hashem is revealed within us. You know, this idea that even the greatest sinner has Hashem within him, Someone once came to the Rebbe sharing a thought from his Rebbe, a different Hasidic Rebbe of Hasidic dynasty. And he shared that his Rebbe had shared a challenging Gemara. What was a challenging Gemara? The Gemara in Chagiza says, I call Yisrael Malayim Mitzvah Kirimah. That even the wicked, the most wicked, Jewish person is full of mitzvot like a pom- as many as a pomegranate. Even the most wicked Jewish person has so many mitzvot like a pomegranate. So this Hasidic Rebbe had said he doesn't understand. How could it truly be that even the most wicked have so many commandments, have fulfilled so many mitzvot? So the Rebbe looks at the person and says, I'll tell you something. I have a similar question. My question is, How could they still be a wicked person when they fulfilled so many commandments? Even the most simple person, they still fulfilled so, so many commandments. Just a little flip on that Gemara there. But coming back, what we're learning here is that everyone has within them the essence of Hashem, but it's concealed. So now here we're going to be introduced to this novel idea that Hashem is everywhere in a concealed way, now, he's also everywhere in a revealed way. The question is, how revealed? So inside of the inanimate, there's no revelation. Let's see that inside. Now, as for the intricate details of the contractions, this is not the place for their explanation. But in general, they are something in the nature of the oculation and concealment of the flow of the light of vitality. So that only an extremely minute portion of light and vitality should illuminate and reach the lower creatures in a revealed manner. As it were, pervading them and acting in them and animating them so that they might receive existence. Ex nihilo, something from nothing. And be in a state of finitude and limitation. Continues Tanya. This constitutes an exceedingly contracted illumination. And it is considered as virtually nothing at all compared with the quality of the limitless and infinite illumination. Okay, you know, I need to apologize. I jumped ahead. I was all excited about the idea of Soviet and the Mali, Panimi and Makis. That's the next paragraph. Here, Tanya is just continuing sharing that infinite has no connection to finite. You can never come from the infinite to finite. And therefore, we needed this, all of these um, level all of these contractions and concealments to allow the finite to come. This constitutes an exceedingly contracted illumination 
and it is considered as virtually nothing at all compared with the likeness, the quality of the limitless and infinite illumination. There is no reference or relationship between them. You can't compare the infinite and finite. Let's take, for example, the number one to a million. As a term, reference is understood in values where the figure one has a relevancy with the number one million, for it is one millionth part of it. So one dollar means you're one dollar closer to having one million. But as regards a thing which is in the realm of infinity, there is no number that could be considered relative to it. For a billion or a trillion do not attain the relevancy of the figure one in comparison with a billion or trillion, but is veritably accounted as nothing. So the number is one billion, the number billion is still nothing relative to infinity. So having a trillion dollars doesn't bring you any closer to infinity than having one dollar. So the good news is if any of you only have one dollar, you're the same as those that have a trillion dollars, but when it comes relative to coming to infinity. So Tanya has shared now how we need to come from the in infinity to finite, and that's going to be through the contraction. And now Tanya is going to continue with that idea I mentioned of Hashem still being everywhere, his essence being everywhere in a concealed manner. And in a revealed manner, that's where the limitation comes. So indeed is the quality of the contracted illumination, which informs the higher and lower worlds acting in them and animating them. So the energy that comes in and, re and is going to reveal itself, giving life to the higher and lower worlds, is considered as nothing compared with the quality of the hidden and concealed light that is of an infinite order and does not close itself or exercise its influence in the world. So perhaps the lower worlds, we could say, are worth a trillion dollars. Sorry, perhaps the upper worlds are worth a trillion dollars and the lower worlds worth one, with worth a million dollars. But guess what? The trillion is not any closer to infinity than the million. Now, this energy that is infinite is not in all the worlds in a revealed way, but it encompasses them from above. And it's called, so they've called Alman, the encompasser of all worlds. So we learn that Hashem is everywhere surrounding us. Now, it's a little confusing because when you surround something, you're not in it. But Tanya is going to clarify that the word surrounding is just to help us better understand that it's not revealed within us. But surrounding still means that it's completely within you. The meaning of this is not that it encircles and encompasses from above spatially, God forbid. For in spiritual matters, the category of space is no, in no way applicable. So, we're not saying that Hashem surrounds you and he's not somewhere. Hashem is everywhere. But the meaning is that it encircles and encompasses from above insofar as the so-called revealed influence is concerned. For influence, which is in the category of revelations in the world, is referred to as investor, being closed within the world. For the influence that they receive is closed and comprehended by them. Whereas the influence which does not come within the category of revelation, but remains inoculation and concealment is not apprehended by the world and is not described as being invested, but as encircling and encompassing. Let's, let's summarize what, what we've said tonight and take some questions and hopefully we'll all leave with some clarity. Hashem is infinite and he's created a finite world. And finite meaning not, we're not talking about the lowest world here where everything is finite. You have a measuring stick. We're even saying that the angels are finite. Even the highest world, even the world of Bria, where it's just beginning creation, that itself is already a, 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 a limitation. That's finite. So how could that happen? For that, we needed the contractions. Now, contractions not meaning that we're just limiting the energy like the water tanks. No, we're, we're limiting and changing the energy simultaneously. 
So there's a change. The finite is becoming less, the infinite is becoming less and less and changing. And Tanya then introduced us to a second incredibly focal point. And that is that Hashem connects with us in a surrounding way, a makiftika way, a soviv kolalmin, soviv like sivivon, the dreidel is called the sivivon because it turns. Hashem connects us with us in a surrounding way, not that he surrounds us. No, he's a part of us. But we use that term, we'll learn more next week why, but nonetheless it means that Hashem is fully within us concealed. Then we have the part of Hashem that is revealed within us, each one on a different level. If you're a rock, it's very, you have very little part of Hashem revealed within you. If you are a flower, more of Hashem revealed within you. If you are an animal, even more, there's light. If you're a human, even more. If you're an angel, even more. So what are the practical lessons that we could leave this class knowing? Number one is, that Hashem loves us so much. He, he looks forward so much to the mitzvah that we do, that he created this incredibly complicated master plan, all, all in order that we should be able to learn Torah and do mitzvah. And that's where we're going to lead up to this reciprocating love. Hashem loves when we put on children so much that he created this entire universe and everything inside of it with all of these technical complications and he loves when we light Shabbos candles so much that he made everything happen. And I have a question, Rabbi. I didn't write it up in yes. Um, yes, Dr. Mallow. Uh, okay. uh, let's see. Um, so I, I think even though there's been simsum or contraction, I think the essence must still be unchanged because if it were changed, then when you worship Hashem, you'd be worshiping an idol. I, I think it'd be an idol worship uh, unless the essence is still there in some way, in, in an unchanged way. So Dr. Malov, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not clear with the question. But perhaps the answer, nonetheless, even though the question I'm not clear, the answer is still the same. That is, that we're learning Hashem is everywhere. His essence is everywhere. His purest, infinite essence is everywhere. But it's not revealed. I understand that. But you said it's, it's, it's changed. And if it's, so I think if it's changed in some kind of a significant way, then then what you're worshiping is not Hashem anymore. It's something else. No? Okay, so it, I think what you're saying is that what's revealed to us has changed. Meaning Hashem has never changed. It's just what he's revealing to us has changed. Actually, so what we're learning here, Dr. Malib, is Hashem never changes. The appearance, so to say, of Hashem changes. We don't see Hashem. Hashem limits what we see. Yeah. So when we, yes. Am I still missing a question? Uh, no, I, I, I think that what, what we see is, is definitely limited compared to infinity, for sure. I mean, no question yeah. about that. Um, um, but, but, but somehow what we're connecting with, it, it has to be part of the infinite or, 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 uh, it has to be, um, um, um let's see. So, Dr. Malov, this cup I'm holding. Yeah. Is the essence of Hashem within it? Well, probably yes. Probably yes or probably no? 
I'd say yes. Probably yes. Probably yes. So what we've learned is in this dull cup that it seems has no life, Hashem's essence is fully within it, but not revealed. Revealed, I don't see any, any part of Hashem. Okay. But so, the Rabbi, essence of Hashem is equally everywhere. Yes, yes, please. Rabbi, if, the, if that cup was uh, a uh, person, right? So uh, yes. Hashem would be concealed inside and revealed outside? So this, it's the same with everything. A per, but taking the example of a person, Hashem is fully within you in his deepest essence. However, it's not revealed within you. And that's why, God forbid, a person could even sin against Hashem. Because if he only was Hashem, he wouldn't have that free choice. So we don't even, um, we have the ability, unfortunately, or fortunately, Hashem, for that's the way he wanted the world to be, he's, con- he's concealed himself within us that we could even believe that we're independent. I don't need Hashem. I'm my own person. So, so Hashem concealed within us is finite. No, Hashem concealed within us is infinite. Infinite, okay. And that's, that's why where that's where I was confused. Now it makes sense. Um, Rabbi, can I ask one quick question? Sure. So, I think you said something before about. And as we do more mitzvot and learn Torah and everything, that we reveal more of a shame that's within us. So, th- so that theoretically means if all you do is study Torah, that you could infinitely reveal Hashem within you, theoretically, right? So... I know it's not possible, but you would be working towards the infinite of revealing You can it. always work towards the, inf- the infinite, but the idea of a bainini that Tanya spoke to us about right. is that you're constantly struggling. Of course. And that struggle is one to constantly do good. Um, so not everybody has the ability to completely oh. reveal Hashem within them that they have thus no oh, more time. But, but, for example, we do learn that Sadiqim, they have the ability to look at not someone, to look at the godliness within us. We learned that the Alter Rebbe, when he saw the beams of his house, he was able to understand the godliness that was within those beams. He was able to see that deeper dimension. Sure. Thank you for it. So is this, is this chapter two parts then? This chapter itself? You're saying how many classes will it take us to learn? Well, because the last couple of chapters, it seems like we learned in one lesson, each chapter. But it seems last like... Chapter, the last chapter was a very small chapter. Okay, so this these are... Like, a little bigger, yeah. These are like multiple classes, this yeah, particular yeah. chapter. Any other questions? And Dr. Malov, I apologize if I didn't answer your question previously. Well, I have an analogy, and I, I'll just throw out the analogy and, and see what you think about it. So, so you, you have an ocean, okay? And you have a cup of water. So, um, so, we, so if we may be holding in our hand only a cup of water, but if I look at that water, I can, I can imagine the whole ocean from where it came. Would, would that be a good analogy or, or not? For, and a good analogy for what? Oh. Well, the, the, the water would be, it would be a contraction, obviously the, the amount of water and so on. I mean, um, it, but, but it would allow me to, to take a, get a glimpse of the ocean from which the water came. So So the example that you're giving, actually, we're going to discuss at a later time. Um, But the reason, but the problem with the analogy 
And the reason why it's very inaccurate is because the same water in the ocean, the same exact water is the same water that you're drinking, that you put in your cup. There's no difference. The moment you put it back in the ocean, it's the same water. So in other words, going back to what we're saying, if everything is infinite, taking out some of the infinite water, you're still going to have an infinite amount of water. So how do we cut? So that's so how would that analogy show us how the infinite comes to the finite? Uh, mm, mm. Well, well, the I mean the, the ocean would be uh, uh, analogous to Hashem. Um, and the cup of water would be what we have access to. Right. And, and like I said, Dr. Nav, the analogy is, is one that we often use, um, and there's a lot of merit to it, just with the caveat that it's, it's not a perfect example. But yes, yes. Thank you for that example. It, it, is, it is a good example, and it, it has merit. We, we mention at different times in Hasid, yes. Thank you for bringing it up. Thank you, Rabbi. That's your Rabbi, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have a question, and I think it can be answered yes or no. But you had said that the world of Bria, Bria is finite. Did I hear you right? In a sense, yes. I did say that. It, it's not anymore. It would be more the trillion dollars or billion dollars. It, it's a holy, holy world, but it has a form. And the moment it has a form, it means that it has a certain level of finite, of finite to it, yes. Is that true of all the worlds? Absolutely. The idea of a world means that it has a limit, yes. The moment you say world, that means that there's a limit to it. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much, everybody, for joining.